0: You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. As a review, the reason why we are going through this series, the reason why we are studying the Ten Commandments is that we may have a clearer lens of God's love for us, His people, as expressed in the giving of the Ten Commandments and leading us to a life of obedience to him just uh, last Monday you know our, our youngest son approached me and he asked me this question that why did God put the fruit in the garden if he knew that man would eat it how come if, if God uh, knew that uh, uh, what was going to happen you know after placing that tree that fruit you know that was for forbidden why did he allow it and then I just gave him you know a a, a a nod and then just say hmm what do you think and then he goes on to say it's for our obedience you No, know, even a little kid does really understand uh, that there are purposes why God does things does God really know what He is doing are up to by giving us his commandments. There will always be battles, you know, in, in this lifetime, you know, there will always be battles along the way, and the commandments are orders for all of us to obey. God sets up boundaries for our good and for our protection. Before I move on, just allow me, you know, to open up with a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much. Lord, indeed, your word is the final authority for everything. Lord, indeed, we declare your sovereignty. Lord, we, we indeed your, uh, uh, declare your goodness. We declare your love, Lord God, over all your creation. Thank you, Lord. Allow, allow me to stand here just to preach your word as it is. And may it pierce the hearts of your people, Lord, including me. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that indeed you are our Lord and our Savior, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. In Exodus twenty, it starts off with this statement: "And God spoke all these words." Ten commandments. You know, it was written uh, by Moses in Exodus twenty, and he starts off: "God spoke all these words." God Himself; He is the speaker. You know, He is the source of these commandments. And when God had spoke all these words. Uh, It means that, therefore, they have lasting moral authority. When God spoke all these words, therefore, we don't have to wonder about His intentions. When God spoke all these words, therefore, we must take all of them with complete or absolute seriousness. When God spoke all these words, therefore, we must give these words our primary attention. Just as a review... We went through already the purposes of these commandments. The first one is that God gave the law as the moral standard of living. It means that it is a guide towards the unchanging perfections of the nature of God. And then secondly, God gave the law to restrain human evil, meaning that the law was not meant to scare us. But for us to realize that for every sin, every sin that we do, there is a consequence. God gave the law to show man's awful sinfulness in his moral distance from him. Meaning that the law shows, law shows man how, uh, how far we uh, fall short of his requirements. And then lastly, God gave the law for man to see our need for a Savior. We do need a Savior. And here are the Ten Commandments just as a review for us. And, and, and we all know that the first four commandments refers to or pertains to our relationship with God. And the second six commandments, it pertains to our relationship to others. Breaking the first commandment already, uh, it, it is as if as say, a say we have already broken everything. I'm not saying that the first commandment is the most, the mo- most important commandment, but... We have to realize that God saying that we shall have no other gods before Him, you know, He is very serious, that He is the only one true God. The Ten Commandments, you know, is an objective standard for right and wrong. And here we put our place to stand, you know, upon which we can make proper moral judgments. The commandments have never been revoked. They have never been declared null and void. You know, and it, was, it was not submitted to Judge Lisa. Judge Lisa, pakin null and void nga ito. You know, it has never been surpassed. And they are as valid today as they were 3,000 years ago. Today we, we shall be talking about the seventh commandment. You, or all of us, you know, we shall not commit adultery. Just take note that God did not say, be careful not to commit adultery. You know, just considering the sinful nature in us and our capacity to fall into temptation. God did not say, be careful, because otherwise, it will be somehow, it will will somehow give us uh, a provision to try to sin. You know, which for sure, we might all attempt to do so. But God says that we shall not, we shall not commit adultery. You shall not. It means do not. Enter, you know, it means do not cross the line. It means that you are not allowed here. I live in BF, and uh, almost every day I pass through the Alabang Hills, uh, you know, village. There is an access road there, you know, uh, via Alabang Hills. You take the Tirona. Uh, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with the place. You know, it's either you live in BF or in Alabang Hills, but you will have to take the Tirona road for me you know that 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 gate is is one of the strictest gates if you don't have a sticker you are not allowed to pass through you know how many times that we have seen you know cars who have attempted to pass through the to bf or going to alabang hills you know the guards would just put the bar down that is exactly you know what god means when you are not allowed to enter this place it is for our safety and it is for the protection of others as well. In Proverbs 6.32, it tells us here that he who commits adultery lacks sins. He who does it, you know, it destroys himself. There's something to this kind of sin that really, you know, it, it distorts our mind. It, it, it changes the way that we think. Definitely changes the way that we think. God really puts a, a, in a high value in marriage and family. You know, considering that adultery only happens when, uh, to married people. Otherwise, if you're not married, you, you, uh, commit something, that's another story. But adultery is a kind of sin that happens in marriage. Without us putting in value in marriage and family, you know, the passing on of values from generation to generation will become impossible. You know, I've been telling, I've been praying. We've been encouraging our children. I have my wife and I. I'm, I'm married to only one wife for 28 years. We have three children, and, and the very encouragement that we've been telling them is is that you know I may not have uh, material wealth, I may not have you know, uh, financial blessings that I can pass on to you, but one thing I know there is something in our hearts. There's something in our lives that is really more valuable than material things, and that is the love of Christ. The love of Christ that we should be passing on from generation to generation. Preservation of values, passing on, you know, all of these things. You know, when we talk about these things, we, I, I also address this to all the men, the commitment of all the men. All the husbands, all the fathers, and even for the single men who are here. You know, this is a time for you to prepare. This is a time for you to, you know, to get impartation by by those who have already gone ahead of us. We should have that commitment to our wives. We should have that commitment to our children. It will make us more responsible and mature. Men, also, the husbands. You know, we should meet the deepest emotional and material needs of our wives. And also vice versa. You know, it doesn't only stop with the men, you know, just giving, but it is also, you know, something that the women or the wives should be giving to their husbands as well. It is in the family where the children are given a secure and stable childhood. Imagine if, if, if a family has been distorted, has been, you know, something has happened because of unfaithfulness. You know, we just don't have that clear thought. Ano pa naman yan, We don't even think about our kids' future. Sometimes because of our selfish nature, we only think about ourselves. Poor children, they will grow up trying to prove something for themselves. Adultery Is a threat. It is a threat to the marriage and family. And as I've been saying earlier, it it, it really destroys. It destroys everything, especially emotionally. Though it may not automatically lead to separation or annulment, you know, but at times it really does. Let us define what adultery is. Adultery is. Is, is being physically intimate. Notice I just changed the wordings. It is being physically intimate with someone other than your spouse. It's an extramarital relation or relations or, and it's an extramarital affair. Question for all of us this morning. Is there something wrong with being physically intimate with someone other than your spouse? Yes, there is. That should be clear for us. For one, you know, a covenant has been broken. God has passed on, has given us a covenant. We, had, we have to realize, you know, uh, the covenant of love. We have to realize there is faithfulness attached to it. Realize that God instituted marriage. He made it. He created it. In Matthew 19, you know, this was reiterated. It says here, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and to hold fast to his wife, and then they will become one flesh. They are one flesh. When God has already placed us in that situation, there is no more going out. God would not even say, Oops! Mistake. This is wrong. God has already ordained everything, even before we knew it. I married my wife in 1988. Not yet Christians. Everything was really distorted. Everything was really, you know, it was really a mess and I could not understand. In the 90s, everything was just happening, you know. Something could have happened. We could have separated. You know, I could have had you know, m- many women or I could have married married someone else. But it was the grace of God that held us there. And we should understand that even at this time, this is a special relationship, if I, we may call it. Marriage is really a season where everyone should be joyful, everyone should celebrate. It is an exclu- exclusive relationship between one man and one woman only. Where does this start? Adultery. It starts when you know an unexplained discontent with spouse happens. It starts when feelings of being trapped in the marriage happens. It starts when needs are not being met. You know, simple things, little things. It starts when reluctance to spend time at home. It's as if that we would want to spend time more outside. I don't want to go home. I don't want to see my wife. I don't want to see my husband. You know, it, it, it starts when fantasies about me married to someone else. You know, comparing your marriage to other marriages, you know, constant preoccupation with someone else, uh, unhealthy attachment with a coworker, a friend, or an acquaintance. These are not just random feelings, you know, that just suddenly pops up into your mind. Again, it, it starts off with the little things. As simple as keeping secrets to yourself. There's something already, you know, going on. There's something that's already, you know, create a, a stimulation. It's not being able to be uh, commu- not uh, communicated to your spouse anymore, because something is happening. There is already a shame factor. How it affects? Well, for one, you know, our relationship with God. Is being affected. There are broken families. There is shame and guilt. You know there are generational curses. There are uh, suffer. uh, Some people suffer from emotional consequences of guilt. You know some spend countless hours of replaying the failure. Spouse will suffer the scars of, the, uh, of this abuse. Spouse would spend countless hours of counseling. Imagine, you know, um, I, I think I said this before. It, it used to be that uh, wedding applications would pile up on my table. And now I see more counseling sessions with people when it comes to their marital problems. There are more counseling forms now coming up. Spouse's recovery will be long and painful. Broken trust, fellowship, and intimacy. Children will be deeply, uh, disappointed. And, you know, there will be a questionable integrity, especially uh, we are, when we are saying that we are Christians. You know, I've been serving here and there. I spend the whole weekend in church. But there is a hidden secret because we fell into the trap. Not also to mention that the fact that Satan will be thrilled with that failure and make sure that one's shame and guilt will never depart from us. In the New Testament, Jesus goes on to confirm what was already been spoken of before. In Matthew 5, 27, 28, he said that, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus was reiterating, you know, he said it was already mentioned before. You know, uh, he, he's saying that I am confirming this to you now. The commandment stays. It stays. It's not been changed and it never will be. Jesus came, you know, so that he may be able to fulfill the law, not to abolish everything. And and for this, you know, we may say no, no I'm not really doing anything, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not even touching her. But it is very clear. That even in our hearts, in the same way, uh, when we talked about the topic last week, you know, even in our hearts, you know, when we are angry at someone, you know, as, as if that you would like to kill him, you, know, you have already committed murder in your hearts. Adultery is the same. Is it unfortunate for all of us? It's for our protection. The Lord wants to protect our marriage. He wants to protect our family. Realize only that it is only in Christ that we can find true satisfaction, and it's not with the worldly pleasures that we desire. It's not with the worldly pleasures that we want. underlying problem here is that, do we have a genuine relationship with Jesus? Do we really understand what He did for us, why He died for us? Then if we don't, there will be a lot of things that we won't be able to understand. There will be a lot of things, you know, his teachings, his commandments, that we will just try to, to manipulate, that we will try to destroy ourselves. There will be always a distorted view of things. Distorted view of things. And so with that, having said this, we have to settle the issues in our hearts. It starts from the heart, then we should settle everything there. Adultery begins in the heart before it becomes physical. In Proverbs 4.23, it says that guard your heart. Let us guard our hearts for, for it determines the course of our life. The issues that have been lingering in our hearts will pile up and turn out to be reasons for us to commit you know, marital unfaithfulness, little things. A couple of months ago, I was just so arrogant, you know, towards my wife. Uh, I temporarily changed our gas stove. You know, I, I promised her that we, I'm going to change it with a better one. But for now, let's use this. But be very careful with the tube at the back. Do not pull it, otherwise something might happen. One day, I was cleaning the car, and then all of a sudden, I heard her, you know, he was, she was calling my name, Dad, Dad! And, and, and you know, uh, together with her voice, I, I could hear the... You know what was that? The tube. It, it it just got out. And it was really burning. And it was, you know, almost burned the house. And when I went in, you know, I just trying to, uh, to, to settle things first, what am I going to do? I got the towel, I got the towel, just, you know, soak it in water and just put it on top of the stove. You know, that when sometimes when you act like a fool towards your wife, all you say is that, hm, you don't know what to do. lang it's just a simple thing, you know. This is what you should do. You should get a towel and just soak it in water and then put it there. And I was just so, you know, I, 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 I was not shouting, you know, but exaggerated lang to. Pero I was telling her, it's a simple thing. And then, silence, silence. And then suddenly, she tells me, okay lang ako. In English, she says, I'm okay. In that tone, in that voice. And then I ask her again, what did you say? I'm okay. You know, if 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 we don't realize what, what there is really a meaning, you know, behind it, I could have asked her, how are you? instead of telling her you should have known what to do. That was the loudest response for me, telling me I'm okay. But in fact, she was not. Imagine for 28 years, if arrogance will just continue on to happen in our marriage I'm not saying that she will but people might try to find someone else who will treat them better that's where it starts a simple thing a simple seed it grows up to be a bigger thing and now it will happen it all starts from the heart. Matthew 15:18 to20 tells us, "What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts: murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness and slander. These are the things that defile a person. You know, Satan, Satan, we're talking about the enemy, the real enemy here. It's not about your husband. It's not about the wife. But Satan will try to sneak in to make a very subtle attack. And when it hits us and we give in to it, suddenly we may find ourselves just hiding because of shame, because of guilt. Not letting anyone else know, especially the spouse. Rebellious motives because of our self-centeredness. People say, I need to be satisfied. People say, I need to find out what will give me pleasure. People say, I need someone who will fill the void. And if that's the case, where have we put Jesus in our lives? I thought that we're Christians. What happens to Jesus? Where is He now in our lives? In Matthew 5, 27, 28, we go back in verse 28. It says there that, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in her heart. Accountability is important. Accountability is a must. That's a very reason why we've been rallying on everyone to be part of victory groups. We need to be accountable to people. Maybe some would think, do pastors have accountability groups? Yes, we do. In Victory Alabang, our victory group leader is our senior pastor. And aside from having a, a, you know, a, a victory group, we also have accountability partners on the side. I won't just mention the name, but every Thursday, I get to meet one pastor, and we just ask ourselves the hardest questions. Have you looked at a woman lustfully recently? We have to ask ourselves the hardest questions. Otherwise, you know, there won't be healing. Otherwise, the other one won't be able to know what to pray for one other thing is that parenting also is a factor parenting the parents what do we teach our children deuteronomy 6 tells us you know uh, exactly what a parent should be doing a parent should recognize that there should only be one god a parent should recognize that he should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. A parent should also realize that the things that was being taught shall be upon his heart. And what does a parent do? You teach them to your children at any given time. Discipling our children. We were talking about passing on of the values. It won't happen if we shut our mouths you know, and just read the magazine. Or watch TV, sit at home, lying on the bed, walking, whatever that we do, pass on these things. David, King David, and Joseph, both of them, they settled it in their hearts. But unfortunately, David settled it in his heart to commit adultery. He did not have a victory group. In fact, he sent all his men away. But Joseph, because he honored and loved God so much, he was fleeing from this temptation. He left. He did not want to get into it. One of the practical things as well that we, you know, as pastors, what we agreed on is that we will not be left alone with a woman. Or vice versa. If you're a woman, please do not allow yourself to be alone with a man. In a car. I have heard this over and over again and still the very same thing that I apply. The seat in front is reserved for my wife. The seat in front is reserved for my daughter or my son, but no other woman is going to sit here. In fact, I I, I just want to purchase a sticker in festival mall that will say, you know, this seat is reserved for my wife. You sit at the back. Just doing things, you know, just for, for our protection. We will make a commitment that we will not share a meal alone with someone else or do counseling in a quiet place. You know, it, 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 it can't take away the fact that you know, just almost every day, except Monday, uh, we have counseling sessions. And most of the time, I have counseling sessions with women. My door is open. All the blinds are, are just, they're just open for everyone to see me. Protecting myself, protecting my marriage, protecting everything. Never allow ourselves you know, to be with a woman for any reason at all. Because if this is not dealt with properly, it may now result to the act itself through the body. First, it starts in the heart and then it progresses on to the body. The Lord wants to preserve the marriage. Why aren't we just so focused on the physical intimacy part, you know, biblical, the, the, there are certain biblical purposes of, of physical intimacy, but just please realize, all of us, that the very purpose for this is, is, is only confined in the, in, in, in the marriage itself, you know, just between you and your wife, or if you're a woman, be, between you and then your husband. The purposes of which is for procreation because also the Lord mentioned, be fruitful and multiply. If we're praying for generations to be blessed, generations to come, you know, to, to, to receive all these inheritances, then we have to remain faithful. Being faithful in the Lord and then being faithful in the marriage that He has given us. Another biblical purpose is that it is for intimacy and companionship and for physical pleasure. I will not go on. Unfortunately, everything has been distorted. And both the Old Testament and the New Testament confirms that there is a destiny for all the adulterers. If a man commits adultery with his wife, with the wife of his neighbor, it says in Leviticus, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. But, you know, in the New Testament, uh, it says in First Corinthians 6, 9-10, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. God is really serious in dealing with this. Which then, you know, he allows us to have a provision, as mentioned in Hebrews thirteen four. He it tells us here, let marriage be held in honor among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. You know, giving honor to the marriage will require it will require the utmost Christian Conviction. So we ask ourselves, what are our convictions at this time? Do we have secrets? What are we hiding from, from our spouses? When a man and a woman marries, they do not say, Till annulment do us part. It's not that way. We say, Till death do us part. We are sure, we will always promise to stay together for better or for worse. My eldest son just got recently, you know, he got married about a month ago. Never mind. (laughs) And I would just ask him, son, how are you? And then he would give me a laugh. So, you know, that's, that's, that's the thing between a father and, and a son. With him laughing, I just... I already clearly understand. But I remind him, you know, in, in, in marriage, it's really so joyful. You know, just remain there. Stay there. Whatever your spouse's reaction is to you and vice versa, choose to stay in your marriage. God takes covenant keeping very seriously. You know, we already said that one day, uh, in, in our wedding day. We did not have the chance to, uh, give our vows, uh, to- towards each other 28 years back. But when we renewed our vows three years ago, uh, probably that was the longest vow that, you know, uh, of course, that's my only vow to my wife. But <laughs> for me, when I tell the people whom I, uh, wed, you know, my I just say it for very short, long, very uh, short, and, uh, just Very accurate lang. But I broke that, you know. I (laughs) probably gave my vows for 10-15 minutes, I don't know. Understanding it. Telling my spouse once more, and I'm telling her every day. It is every day. Because we are in this as long as we both shall live. Unfortunately, sometimes we also allow foolish talk. Uh, To happen, you know, which which stirs up emotions and hypes up unhealthy conversations—not with the spouse, but with other people. In Ephesians, it it also warns us. This is a warning: Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, you know, let there be thanksgiving. The problem is sometimes, you know, as Christians, we get out of the boundary. So just because that we are surrounded with unbelievers at work or in school, uh, these things happen. This is so common that we begin to take them already for granted. It's an automatic, you know, just uh, words that come out, statements. You know, we just fool around with people, joke around with them. This happens in unguarded moments. Unguarded moments. Instead of speaking encouragement, and what is proper for Christian conversations, such things, you know, such things happen. They come out of our mouths. Are we reading our Bible? Are we doing our daily devotions? Bianca, every time I see her, every time I would, you know, we would, uh, every Thursday, she would ask me, are you reading your Bible? You know, It's a joke, of course. (laughs) No. (laughs) But I tell her, yeah, of course. I do read my Bible. But for me, you know, even if it is a uh, just like a a funny stuff for her uh, but it gives me a reminder did i read my bible you know today are we reading it are we meditating on the word do we love it do we embrace the word of god where is the thanksgiving to god that we are supposed to declare if we are not meditating on the word first corinthians 6:18 also commands us flee From sexual immorality. Sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. The command is to flee from sexual immorality. There are times when the Lord will tell us, Stand firm. You know, you don't stand firm when there is temptation. And just psychologize yourself that, I am not looking, I am not looking, I am not looking, you know. It's not going to work. If things are already starting to still up, flee is the word. Get away. Suddenly, you know, if, if everything happens, we fell into it, distortion comes. And statements such as, you know, kawawa naman siya. I pity her. I don't want to leave her. And, and some husbands would also say that, you know, in Tagalog, naman ako uwe. Don't worry. You know, I spend more time with you during the week. I can keep both women. I'll take care of them both. Polygamy was never allowed or condoned. If ever we ask about David and Solomon, <laughs> it, you would notice that there would always be misery. Misery happening after each fall, after each sin. Today, even many would even allow the fathers to molest their children. You know, it's another sinful act. This is how cruel or filthy our society is at this time. But the Lord desires a preservation of godly offspring. He desires for our relationship with Him would be multi-generational. That's why the work of the ENC, the EN Campus is really very important. If parents are not being discipled, then we disciple the teens, we disciple the kids. When we have discipled these children, you know, it's as almost automatic that the parents Two will be discipled. We need to pray. We need to pray. You know the the uh, the uh, pastor Greg works uh, men's meeting. You know it's really very very important. I've been you know just rallying all the men. We need real men to stand up. You know we 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 just want all the men. You know all the men to really take this responsibility seriously. This is a no joke. We may even think you know. Oh, it's fine okay lang I'm still young maybe I can repent later but what happens if the Lord suddenly you know, just takes you away we don't know adultery is really idolatry we have not only broken you know commandment number seven but we go back to breaking automatically the first commandment which is you shall not have no other gods before me Adultery is an idol in the sense that it takes away our relationship in our focus on God. It all starts in the heart, then it progresses in the body, then it now becomes an idol for us and that leads to spiritual adultery. We have forgotten you know, the promises. We have forgotten you know, the commitments. We have forgotten you know, just everything that the Lord has provided for us we find ourselves trapped to it, constantly thinking about it. Paul exhorts us in First Corinthians 6.12. Uh, I'm almost done with, with, with this uh, preaching. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant, it is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. You know, as Christians, our our, our freedom, our freedom that we have already received is a mark of our faith. You know, freedom from sin and guilt, and freedom to use and enjoy anything that comes from God. But we should not abuse this freedom and hurt ourselves and hurt others. Again, our bodies are not meant for sexual immorality, for this is the Lord's. We are one with Him, as it is said in verses 19 to 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is within us, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. We have to glorify God with our bodies, we have to glorify God with our actions. We have to glorify God with everything that we say that we do. God has not only put in so much value in the marriage and family but more so that he has also put in so much value in the individual for you and me. We do not have the right, you know, to do whatever that we want to do in our bodies because otherwise we are already uh, we, we really enslave ourselves to our own personal desires. When we become Christians, The Holy Spirit, you know, as promised by the Lord Jesus, it fills and it already lives in us. Therefore, again, we no longer own our bodies. This is not ours. We were bought at the price. It had to take, you know, for nails to be driven in the hands and the feet of our Lord Jesus. It had to take the crown of thorns to be put on the head of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus had to uh, suffer, you know, from being whipped from being humiliated publicly. This is an act that we cannot do on our own. So therefore, this death of Christ not only frees us from sin, but it also compels us to honor Him with our bodies. We must not violate His standards of living. Commandment number seven tells us that we should not commit adultery. There's a final story that I'd like to share to you. A story by Jesus himself in John 8, verses 3 to 11. And this is how we can sometimes find ourselves. Being caught in the same situation where here the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. If you read verse 2, it says here that very, very early in the morning, Jesus was already in the temple. People were gathering around him. And at this very time, these people brought a woman caught in adultery. Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, uh, it commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? Realize that, again, it's, it's, it's like where we are in that situation. People would accuse us. People would just say, you know, a lot of things. to us, harming our family. This they said to test him that they may have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground and as they continued to ask him, he stood and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. That's a problem with other people. Sometimes. Accusers it's as if that they have not sinned. Now Jesus tells them, if you have not sinned, go ahead and throw a stone at her. Once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Where are your accusers? Because no one condemned you. Jesus is speaking to you know, each and every one of us at this time. We may not be guilty of you know, committing adultery in terms of you know, having physical relations with other people, but probably in our minds we did. But Jesus is asking. Where are those who are asking you? The woman answers, No one, Lord. And then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. You know, just as simple as that. It's a simple instruction for all of us. Jesus, He does not condemn us, but gives us the freedom to be out of our struggles and bondages. A simple instruction for us to do. If we have become adulterers, if we have become sinners, Jesus simply tells us, I will not condemn you. From now on, go and sin no more. What really sets us free from the guilt of sin is the grace of God. It is by God's grace. But again, we understand that grace is not the license to sin, but it gives us the power to say no to sin. Titus 2:11 to 12 It tells us therefore the grace of God has appeared and who is this grace it is Jesus Christ himself bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age. This is the perfect law that has been given to us out of His perfect love. And the perfect love is Jesus Christ Himself. The Lord Jesus died for you and me that we may have a fruitful life, that we may have life, life to its fullest. So allow me to pray for you, Father. First of all, we'd like to, Lord, repent. If we were unaware, we'd, we 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 just ignorantly, you know, not not being too sensitive, Lord, in the things that we have been doing, and thus, in your eyes, we have already committed adultery. In your law, that's what it says. Even if we look at the woman lustfully or even a man lustfully, we have already committed adultery in our hearts. But you have given us a provision. A provision of being freed from all these things. God, I pray that you would set us free. You would set us free, Lord, from the, sh- from the shame, from the guilt and all the things of the past. We may not be able to Forget immediately, but Lord, thank you that everything, Lord, everything, you know, your love it replaces everything in our hearts. Thank you for giving us life. The God of adultery has been done with, but we will now, Lord, declare it with our mouths that there is indeed only one God, one God whom we will serve the one God whom we will worship, the one God whom we will adore.